Welcome everyone to the Happy Hustle Podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Jack, lifestyle entrepreneur, professional model slash actor, biohacker, and eco-warrior striving to make a positive impact on this planet. My goal is to inspire, educate, and entertain you while reminding you to enjoy the journey, not just the destination, as you happy hustle for a life of passion and purpose. I am so grateful and humbled to be spending some time together today. Now let's dive in. What is up, you beautiful happy hustlers out there? Kerry Jack here, and I hope you're having an amazing day. I mean, just staying grateful, staying positive, and in this very moment right here and right now. And in this episode of the Happy Hustle Podcast, we have on Mr. Mike Ayala, who is an absolute happy hustler through and through. He is an investor. He is a speaker. He is a podcaster. He is the founder of Investing for Freedom. And Mike helps busy professionals and business owners find true freedom to live their best life. Guys, Mike Ayala is a absolute boss. We talk all about real estate investing. We talk all about entrepreneurship. We talk about relationships and how to really level up your personal relationships, and so much more in this episode. Mike has an amazing mindset for truly creating a life that you love and investing in freedom, both time freedom, financial freedom, and creative freedom. And I really, you know, for me personally, drew from Mike and, and his, his wisdom, the priorities that he has in his life and how he focuses on his family, his relationship with his wife, and then his business, and then his you know investments. And it's really important that distinction of how you prioritize your daily endeavors and what really matters in life. So I know you're going to get some value from this episode. If you do share this with a friend who also could benefit from investing for freedom in their life, because let's face it, that's what we're all after. Happy hustling for freedom. That is how we continue to share this message with the world. When you spread it with your friend and they share it with their friend, then we got a bunch of happy hustlers out there just add in passion, add in purpose, and positive impact to this planet. So without further ado, y'all, let's dive in to this episode of the Happy Hustle Podcast. And real quick, guys, I just want to give a huge shout out to this episode's sponsor, Bioptimizers, who is making the best most effective magnesium breakthrough. It's a formula that actually helps you optimize your sleep. See, a lot of people don't know this, but 80% of Americans are actually deficient in magnesium. And it's not just take more magnesium and you'll be okay. It's actually, you need the right forms of magnesium. And magnesium breakthrough is just that. It's seven different forms of magnesium all in the proper ratio. And the best part about bioptimizers is it actually comes with a 365-day money-back guarantee. So you can try it for basically the next year. And if you don't like it, send it back. I'm just telling you, in my own life, I've seen an improvement with my sleep and my overall performance. Not to mention, I get more quality sleep. I'm actually getting deep REM sleep, all thanks to bioptimizers. 
So if you guys want to get the hookup, you can go to buyoptimizers.com and use code happy, or you can go to magbreakthrough.com backslash happy. Both will take you to the, to the right place. Both will get you the discount. Code happy is how you get the hookup. So thanks again, buy optimizers. And guys, if you want to optimize your sleep and performance, get yourself some. All right, now let's dive into this episode. Mike Ayala, welcome to the Happy Hustle Podcast, my brother. I am super stoked to connect. Man, I'm so excited to be here. Just love your energy, love what you're doing. Every conversation we've ever had has been amazing, so I'm looking forward to it. Ditto, brother. Right back at you. I mean, you are truly a happy hustler through and through. You know, you're an investor, a speaker, a podcaster. You're the founder of Investing for Freedom, and you help busy professionals and business owners find true freedom to live their best life, which is right up the happy hustlers, hustlers alley. But besides all that, Mike, what is something interesting about yourself that not too many people know? You know, um, I'm pretty much an open book, but I think a lot of what shaped me, um, I grew up with a, an abusive dad who, um, you know, left when I was eight. And there was a lot of things that happened during that period of time that kind of, you know, I was a happy guy is the happy hustle podcast. Like I was happy even growing up. I didn't realize what was going on during all of that, but that kind of shaped who I am, you know, and persevered. And, and I was just having this conversation the other day. Um, that whole model showed me, I think in life we can take bad experiences and we can let them shape us into a negative or we can let them shape us in a positive way. And that experience showed me what kind of husband I didn't want to be mm. and what kind of father I didn't want to be. And the fact that I didn't always want to be hurting for money and having to get kicked out of homes and et cetera. And so that was probably, that's something that people, a lot of people don't know, but it's also what made me who I am today in a positive way. So. Yeah, man. I love that. And I appreciate that vulnerability. It really shows strength in my opinion. And I, you know, I equally have a similar story just from my upbringing very much. My father is a man's man, you know, we used to call him a dictator emphasis on the dick part. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we learned a lot from that guy, like, and, 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 you know, same goes like how not to interact with your wife yep. or, other dads at the ball field or, uh, you know, like yeah. your kids, like you learn a lot. And then I've learned a ton of great things, you know, how to use my hands and the blue collar work ethic. And, you know, I think every single person that we meet in this life has value to share, whether it's the garbage man on the street, whether it's, you know, the, the boardroom and the executive, whether it's your father, or your mother, you know, there's, there's value and there's lessons to be extracted from each. What, what would you say is one of the greatest lessons from your childhood that you, that you look back and now say that really helped shape me? You know, probably that, you know, money is just a resource. Um, I don't put a lot of focus, you know, my, my wife and I, when we got married, we talked a lot about, uh, you know, making memories over possessions, keeping the family tight. We got married young, had kids young. But when I look back at my childhood, I think that's one of the things that I learned through that is, um, you know, as I said, I was very happy as a child, but I didn't have a whole lot. Um, so I learned through that process that, you know, money, there's the saying money doesn't make you happy. And that's true. 
Um, if you're a miserable son of a bitch without money, you're going to be a miserable <laughs> yeah. son of a bitch with money. Um, so I think, you know, really just seeing all that, like money is a resource um, and we need it to, to have a better life and live a better life, but it doesn't make us happy. Mm, yeah. Love that. I mean, it, it is a tool, right? It's an energy. It's a frequency. In my opinion, money is one of those things that just shows you more of who you are, you know? And I think with money, you know, for me, at least there's, there's levels to money where sure. First and foremost, you need to get out of debt, right? And you need to get your basic needs met, you know, roof over your head, food in the fridge, you know, transportation, the basic needs are met. Okay. Then the next level is, you know, some level of abundance, right? Where you can not live paycheck to paycheck. You're, you're free from, you know, maybe the worry that, that sometimes comes with that lower first level, you know, of, of really, you know, hurting for money. And then you get to a level where, you know, money really, whether you have 1 million in the bank or you have 10 million in the bank, like there's not really that much difference. Right. And I'm sure you've probably found that. Right. And then you can get to like the billionaire level where it's like, okay, now it's just at a different level. Uh, It's, it's almost, um, you know, where you use money, freely you know you give freely to causes you believe in and people you want to support what would you say in in just in terms of of money and freedom what would you say is the greatest lesson that you've really implemented in your life to accumulate more money i think you know i talk about this a lot on my podcast and and i think it's such a simple concept and idea that people just kind of wax over it but there's a there's a, a frame of questioning that i always ask myself and it really doesn't have anything to do with money uh and it starts with what do i really want why do i want it and then we start getting into the practical what am i going to do to get it which is a lot of times where you know people lead with even in business or whatever they start with that like what am i going to do to get it like what am i going to be when i grow up what am i going to do to make my money what type of business am i going to start that's really irrelevant because there's so much money and wealth in the world and by the way what i'm saying about money i'm not saying that i don't love it and i don't like making money and i don't want to make more i it allows us to do the things we really want to do but the reality is and the, probably the biggest lesson is what do you actually really want Mm. Uh, so here's the thing that's interesting. And I do this. Uh, so there was a point in time where I thought I wanted an Audi R8, right? So it's not that I don't love nice things. I have a beautiful home. Um, my wife and I have, you know, we've built a great life. And so I'm not saying that money doesn't matter or that we shouldn't, it's just like, what do you really actually want? And so back to the R8, there was a point in time where I said, I want an Audi R8. And so I told my wife to me, that was kind of like a, a frivolous expenditure. Mm -hmm. That's something I need. It's something I want. And so I set little goals for myself. Okay. I said, when I make 200 grand on my personal brand for the first time, cause I've, I've built a lot of businesses and I've got a lot of diverse real estate portfolio stuff. And, but I said, when I, when I make 200 grand on my personal brand, I'm going to buy an Audi R8. And I did that within like seven months of really focusing on building my personal brand. And when I actually had the cash and I achieved that goal, do you think I bought the R8 or not? Probably not. <laughs> I didn't buy the R8. And no. the interesting thing is like, so back to the question, what is the lesson? 
you know, a lot of times we set these targets and we set these goals around things that we actually think we want. And the five part question that I'm always asking is what do you really want? Why do you want it? What are you going to do to get it? Measure results. And here's the thing that I think is important adjust Hmm. because you know, what I thought I wanted seven months ago at that point in time was an Audi R8. But when I actually got to the point where I had achieved the goal and had the cash to pay for it, it's not actually what I wanted. And so I adjusted and that's okay. And I think a lot of times high performers, we set these goals and we're so ingrained and programmed to when you set a goal, you see it through, you stick to it, you make it happen. Well, that's very true unless your desires change. And so I think if I had to narrow it down to that, like give yourself the freedom to adjust. It's your, it's your life. Like you're living it. Nobody else is. So always come back to like, what do you really want? And more importantly, why, why do you want it? Mm, Yeah. So true. And you know, you and I were talking about bow hunting, uh, pre-interview chat. And I I see this time and time again with, with entrepreneurs, with entrepreneurs, with pretty much anyone out there, um, you know, who doesn't set clear goals. It's like shooting your bow and arrow without a target. Of course you're going to miss, you know, (laughs) it's like, how could you ever hit the bullseye if you don't know what the heck the bullseye even is or where it is, you know? And so just to your point, like that's the exact, those, those questions that you ask yourself, what do you want? You know, why do you want it? And how, when are you going to get it? Those are actually in my book, uh, the happy hustle. And I write down the exact reverse engineering of my goals and, and the process I use. And I think that's such a great take home for all the happy hustlers out there listening is really getting crystal clear on what you actually want, you know, because a lot of people think, oh, I need $10 million. Really, you know, a $500,000 a year lifestyle is quite extravagant. Maybe you don't need that, you know? So get clear on what you really want, right? Yeah. And then why do you want it? Well, the why is the fuel to persevere past the inevitable adversity that's going to strike along the way, yeah. right? So you have to have a strong enough why or else you're going to burn out, you know, like, you know, in business, if you don't have a strong enough why, you're not going to you're not going to succeed. And then how and when you're going to get it is the exact game plan. Okay. If I want to write my book in 12 months and I plan on it being a 150 page book, how many actual pages do I need to write every single day in the first six months, then budgeting, you know, two months for editing or cover design and then, you know, marketing promotions, you reverse engineer based on the goal of, I want my book published in the next 12 months. Right. So I think those are great points there, man. In terms of just business, I know you have you know, a vast array of business knowledge that we could take this conversation anywhere. But first of all, just kind of what you got, what got you into entrepreneurship in general? Like, how'd you get started? What was your first business? So I was a plumber by trade. A lot of people don't know that. Oh, Um, wow. Yeah. I, I, um, you know, I guess digressing a little bit when I was in high school, I was, I was kind of going down the road that my, you know, my, my dad showed me. So I, I learned good and bad from, from, from my upbringing, but you know, got into drugs and I started working at a young age because my parents, you know, so my mom ended up getting remarried. My stepdad is a saint. Like I call him my bonus dad. He taught me a ton in life. Um, so amazing parents. But, you know, when I was in high school, my mom was working a job. She was, you know, going to, to college to be a nurse and my dad was working out of town. Um, so I started working at the age of like literally 13, cleaning a doctor's office on the weekend. If I wanted clothes, I basically had to buy them. I had to buy my truck. Uh, I started working in the restaurant when I was 15, 15 and a half. And I met this guy, I, I progressed, I was a busser. And then I ended up being a, a cook and I same. met a guy. Yeah, I did that same journey. <laughs> yeah. uh, this guy. Um, so I was, I was working a job and it was finals time. I think I was a junior, maybe I was a sophomore. I can't remember. 
but the guy, I was, I was tired and he's like, dude, come on, you're lagging. And I'm like, man, I'm going to school. I'm working and it's finals time. I'm studying. And he gave me some meth. Oh. And yeah, so this was my like first, um, foyer into, you know, drugs. And so anyway, the reason why I said all that, I went down this negative road and got in a bunch of trouble. And, um, the last thing that I ever wanted to do was be a plumber, but, um, through a series of events, I got my life straight and, um, ended up going to an apprenticeship program with this guy and became a plumber. Well, my wife kind of, I was dating my wife in high school. And then when I went off the deep end, which is the reason why I kind of set all this up, um, my wife, we kind of, we weren't obviously married then, but we were dating and we went separate ways. Cause you know, she's, she's a, just an amazing person and I was not being an amazing person. And so we separated, I ended up going to jail. Oh. Uh, she wrote me this letter when in there. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, totally. Uh, so she wrote me this letter and was just talking about, um, you know, how there's a better way and she's there for me on the other side and her parents were there for me. Anyway, long story short, when I get out of jail, they were very supportive, um, I found a community, which I think everybody needs when they're trying to get cleaned up. When I made the decision to get cleaned up, got clean, went back to a guy that I had worked for this plumbing and heating company in high school in the summers. So I went back and I got a job and I became an apprentice. I was a plumber. My wife and I got married when I was 20, she was 19. And, um, my childhood taught me a lot of things, but again, I, you know, said the example that, uh, the things that I learned from my dad, what I didn't want to do. And a couple of things that my wife said early on that we said early on, we were going to make memories over possessions. And mm. what I realized is that, you know, over time you can have both, but I wanted to make sure that I was a good husband. I was a good family man. I spent time with my children. Um, I didn't want to get to a point where I let my life or even external jobs, businesses, et cetera, um, control me and take away from my children. So I realized that at a young age, Fast forward, um, my first son was born when I was 21 years old. He's actually wow. 21 now. Um, my second son was born two years later. And then my wife was pregnant with our daughter. Um, this was 2003. She was pregnant with our third child, my daughter. I'm working for this company. I had progressed super fast. And I'm running this job. It's like a 3 or $4 million casino remodel um, expansion out of town. I'm literally working out of town, missing this entire pregnancy. I'm away from my children. I'm away from my wife. I'm working literally a hundred, 110 hours a week. Ugh. We would drive home on Sunday night. We would wash our clothes. And then I'd come back to work Monday morning at 3 a.m. That was what my life consisted of. And mm. the question was, what started your entrepreneurial journey? How'd you get into business? That's it. I woke up one day and I'm like, this is not what I signed up for. And I literally, Carrie, I said to myself, if I'm going to be a slave to something, if I'm going to be working 90, 100, 110 hours a week, I might as well do it for myself. And that was my concept yeah. of business at that point in time. And so I quit. I left with a partner. We started a business. I'm 24 years old at that point in time. And, but I didn't realize at that point in time that I could actually have my freedom and a business. I just thought, you know, I'm trading grinding for grinding, which opened up this whole other journey, which is why I started investing for freedom because I learned through the process that you can have business, you can have investments, you can keep your family a priority. You can have all of that and still keep all of that together. Mm, 
Yeah, man. Love that story. And, you know, it, it really kind of reminds me of my entrepreneurial burnout too. Many of the happy hustlers know my story, but man, I was grinding my face off as well, working hundred plus hour weeks. You know, I launched this tech startup in New York city. I know I don't look at, I look more like a damn caveman now, but I had the fancy suit and ties, you know, and I was doing all the things in New York city, man. And, and, uh, we got this big seven figure VC funding deal and inked partnerships with Microsoft and IBM. And, you know, I just, I was at the table with my brother to sign this five-year deal, which obviously if someone's going to give you seven figures, they want to know you're invested in the, in the future of your business. And we just started crying. We couldn't take the money, my brother and business partner and I, because we were just unfulfilled, so unhappy. And so, you know, I moved to Bangkok, Thailand. I, I lived there for 10 months. You know, I, I figured out a better way to work and live, you know, and it's like, I think you did as well. And it's the balance that I always resort back to. That's really my whole shtick in, in, I, the happy hustlers know I I'll put it on my damn tombstone balance equals happiness. And, and, and when you're not blissfully balanced, both personally and professionally, you won't be happy. And you found that working yourself to the bone, you know, and now over time, you know, I think you'll, you'll find the sweet spot between work and play and your relationships and, you know, your free time just personally. And, and it's, it's, it's a constant journey, you know, what's your take on balance and how do you create it? You know, it's, um, I think it's, I've got a friend actually that does a lot of events, um, with high performing men and, and he calls it work-life rhythm. Um, and that, when I heard that for the first time, it really, it really hit home for me Mm. because I think balance denotes, um, equality. Right. Mm. And the way that I've looked at balance, um, there's periods of time where, you know, I think we're going to be out of balance to some degree. I think the key is making sure that we don't get too far out of balance. And I think a lot of times um, we make a bunch of excuses. I'm in a group called uh, Front Row Dads. Um, love it. Um, another group called Go Abundance, which is amazing bunch of guys. But I hear so many excuses, Carrie, where like, you know, people are like, well, I'm doing this for my family or, you know, I have to do mm. this because, you know, th- that's all just to me, you're doing it because you want to. And so I think balance, uh, you, the whole rhythm process, I think you can create rhythm. You just have to decide what's important. And even throughout the day, you know, like some people would say, well, I, I can't make it to your dance recital at three 30 daughter, because I have too much going on. Mm. Well, I have a really hard time believing that when somebody looks at their entire day, they couldn't have found 30, 45 minutes, an hour yeah. of their day where they couldn't move things forward and actually make that, that, you know, recital with their daughter, a priority. I don't know of any client potential investor, um, that I've ever said, Hey, I cannot take that meeting because I need to be at my daughter's dance recital at three 30 that didn't give me another chance. These are all stories that we've built up in our head. Hmm. And so can we find balance? Can we find rhythm? The answer to that is yes. It's really more of a question of priority. And I think we just need to be straight with ourselves. Like, is your daughter a priority to you or is she not? Um, is your, my wife and I have a couple's mastermind. Uh, hmm. We've been married for 22 years and I hear this all the time, you know, couples relationships are on the rocks. They've been struggling. I just feel like we're not connecting. We have a couple's scorecard and all this stuff. And my question always comes back to the first question. How was date night last week? Oh, we didn't have time for that. Well, if you don't have time to connect with your spouse every week, how can you 
you know, how can you expect to have a good relationship? And so I think this applies to anything, you know, whether it's leadership, whether it's employees, whether it's making your daughter's recital a priority. Uh, my daughter's older and she, um, she still dances, but I'm just using that as an example. Yeah, the reality sure. is it's a bunch of excuses. Um, so mm -hmm. we can find balance. We can find rhythm. You just have to really sit down and I think you got to be honest with yourself and say, is this a priority or not? You have to mm. say to yourself, I'm prioritizing my clients. I'm prioritizing my business. I'm prioritizing my investments over my relationship with my daughter. Just be honest about it. Yeah. Uh, love it. I mean, a lot of the happy hustlers know, know the 10 alignments of being a happy hustlers. We break it down with the soul mapping acronym, you know, and each one of those has its own, um, area of life, you know, S selfless service, O optimize health, U unplug digitally, L loving relationship. That makes up the soul part of the acronym. And then you got the mapping, mindful spirituality, abundance financially, personal development, passionate hobbies, impactful work and nature connection. So I broke my life down. This was just scratching my own itch first, but each one of those 10 alignments has a task every single day that I do. And so I measure myself every single week on a Sunday where I rank one to five, you know, five is an A, F, one is an F, where I rank in each of those 10 alignments. And what I've found to be the absolute catalyst for my balance is prioritizing each of those tasks with mm. the same importance, nice. right? So my date night gets the same priority as this Zoom recording with you for this podcast as the same priority as my passion hobbies of playing, you know, aggressive men's league soccer last night, the same priority as my reading time, which is my personal development, you know, so everything on my calendar gets the same priority. And that's how I balance myself. And that's how the happy hustlers have too. And I just, you know, I so agree with you. It's a matter of priorities when it comes down to it, you know, because you can make time or you can make excuses. That's what it comes down to. Right. Yep. And at the end of the day, who decides, you know, I mean, it's, it's again, just back to the simple, like, what do you really want? Why do you want it? It's your decision. And if you put it on there as a priority and you're not making time for it, then you have to just really ask yourself, is it a priority? Right. And I think mm -hmm. that's yeah, so true, man. Well, let's talk about your businesses because I know you have a lot going on. I was super impressed when you were like even telling me about some of the things you got your hand in in many different, you know, industries too as well. Talk to us a little bit about what you got going on currently. Like, what's your what's your entrepreneurial portfolio, your investment portfolio look like, and and which one are you most excited about right now? Man, it's hard to say which one I'm most excited about <laughs> now because if I've got business partners that are listening, they might <laughs> yeah. one over the other and not in balance. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, we'll let but you I'm out most, of that one. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll tell you because I'm just joking. What I'm most excited about um, right now is a venture I'm doing um, with an operating partner. We're, we're doing some luxury uh, vacation rentals in a fund. So we're bringing in investors. Um, we're targeting specific locations for luxury vacation rentals. A lot of us that do masterminds like you do, um, you know, a lot of times we'll meet in higher end, bigger houses. Uh, I told you, Karen, I have a couple's mastermind. We just, we just booked a, a pretty large house in Cabo San Lucas for our couples in, in September. And so we're looking at, you got room for two more on that one. I might have sure. to hit you up brother, Steph and yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, let's, let's talk about it. Um, but a lot of masterminds and small groups are meeting in these types of homes. And so we're really focusing 
again, on five or six strategic markets, um, large homes, you know, 6,000 to 10,000 square feet, you know, six to 10 bedroom type things where people can come in and do events, whether it's corporate events, um, that kind of stuff. And so that's what I'm most excited about for a couple of reasons. Number one, um, we utilize these homes for our events. Number two, the investors are super excited about this. I have a fund that we invest in manufactured housing communities, mobile home parks. Um, and a lot of investors are excited about that because of the returns and the type of investment. I get excited about that because I lived in one. It's my background. It's affordable housing. I understand it. But most investors, un unless they're accredited, seasoned investors, they don't really get excited about investing in a mobile home park. They're like, what? <laughs> but when it comes to like luxury vacation rentals, investors are excited about that. We're excited about it. My operations team, uh, the partner that I've invested with um, is excited. So to answer your question, that's probably what I'm most excited about right now as far as our businesses and investments go. Awesome. Yeah, that sounds super interesting. I mean, and it's just, you know, one of those things, I feel like there's so many different facets of real estate that you could that you could dive into. I know, you know, you've done a, a lot of them. <laughs> Which one would you recommend to, let's say a first time investor, you know, a happy hustler out there who is looking to get into real estate, you know, maybe just kind of give us like your, your beginner's tips to getting your foot in the door with real estate. Sure. Yeah. And I'll, I'll set this up by saying that when I started in real estate, after we started our first business, which if we have some time, we can go back to that story. Cause I think the evolution was valuable and important. Mm -hmm. um, I started investing in single family homes. So my mm -hmm. wife and I set a goal of 20 income producing properties a year for 10 years. That was like our, that was like my big goal, right? To have goal. Houses. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I thought to myself, Carrie, if, if I could get 20 houses when I'm 65, 70 years old, and I'm still running this plumbing and HVAC business, <laughs> I'd have a retirement. Right. Um, so I say all that to say we bought single families. Um, I've invested in mobile home parks. I've invested in, we're up to 30, I mean, 30, we got up to 37 mobile home parks. Um, I've wow, invested wow. in commercial buildings. Uh, we've done a lot of it, but to answer your question for somebody that's just getting started, um, single family, or if, if you could get your head around this, duplexes, threeplexes. I've said this so many times. If, if you're young and you're just married or you're not married yet, go buy a duplex because you can literally get first time homeowner financing. You can live in one side and you can rent the other side out and probably get almost all of your mortgage covered by the other tenant, maybe live for three or $400 a month. And then when you're ready to, to buy up to a single family or whatever, because you got married or you're having kids and you need a bigger home, you just rent the other side. And now you've got rental income and you go buy your actual home. Right? So I would say start mm -hmm. with single family or start with a duplex. If somebody could get their hands on a duplex or a threeplex home run. One yeah, other thing yeah. I'll say, if you have a business, you're drop shipping in Amazon, or you've got a plumbing, whatever, um, go buy a commercial building and rent from yourself because the depreciation aspect, learning how to be a landlord and also having a built-in tenant is phenomenal. That's how I got my first three commercial buildings. I bought the first one, we outgrew it, bought the second one, we outgrew it, and then built the third one. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Great, 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 great advice, advice there. there. Um, in terms of 
just your thoughts on the current market landscape? Because I know it's there's a lot of speculation. Let's just face it. You know, at this time of this recording, you know, we're July. 2021 there like at least in montana where i'm at it's crazy i'm mean, i'm sure i know you're moving to austin soon like there's a lot of speculation that the bubble is going to burst again quote unquote the bubble um what is your take on the market and what's maybe your prediction for the the next you know six to 18 months yeah so this is why I think it's important for us to you know, remain flexible and adjust our opinions, if you will, because if you would have asked me this question 12 months ago, I would have said, the end is near. Like, we're going to die. We're all dying. It's over. <laughs> um, uh, and it's, it's funny because even I'm sitting in my office in, in my house in Phoenix, Arizona. And when we built this house in January of, uh, we moved into it in January of 18. We built it in 2017. When we decided to build this house, I told my wife, I said, we're at the top of the market. So as long as we plan on staying in this house for 10 years, I'm fine building it because I think we're about to lose our ass. Um, that was 2017. <laughs> uh, and this is coming from a real estate guy, right? So all the indicators said to me that, you know, 17, 18, 19, we're at the top of the market. Then COVID hits. We literally positioned ourselves last year. Um, my wife and I still have about 25 single um, family doors, um, like the mobile home parks, uh, commercial building. As I said, so I'm heavily invested in real estate. I love real estate. And long-term, I think you're going to win with real estate. But to answer your question, what do I see in the next 12 to 18 months? I'm right in the middle, Carrie, because um, I, feel, I feel as though being in the middle, like I'm at zero. Um, I'm not, you know, if you ask me a scale of one to 10 on optimism, uh, negative, I'm, I'm zero because I, I don't know where we're going. And there's such a risk. There's such a risk piece of this conversation right now that I'm not given a lot of advice around real estate at this point, even as a seasoned real estate investor, because we don't know exactly what's happening. But if you put a gun to my head and you said, Mike, you have to give me an opinion, this would be it. Uh, uh, you know, inflation is out of control. Printing is out of control. Money is everywhere. It's looking for a home. Um, house prices seem to be skyrocketing, but I think what's actually happening is the, the purchasing power of the dollar is just getting deflated. I mean, it's coming down like a skyrocket. I mean, it's just, it's, it's dropping. The value is dropping. So I don't know that real estate prices are necessarily going up that much as much as everything around us is going up. And so everything's inflating together except wages. Mm. Wages aren't increasing. And so if you put a gun to my head and said, make a prediction, um, the price that you can finance a house at right now, 2.75 to three and a half percent, I think inflation is outpacing that. And so even if you bought a rental right now and you only made two or 3% on that rental, I think you're actually making six or seven or 8% on that rental because you've got locked in money for 30 years. And I think if you you said the next 12 to 18 months, but if you look forward five to 10 years from now, I think that the value of that property will actually be much more because the value of the dollar is going to be less. And so is property actually going up in value? I don't really think so. I think the purchasing power of the dollar is plummeting. And I think real estate's a safe play long-term. And I actually think that locked in money at two and a half, three, three and a half percent is actually safer than anything else you could do right now, other than this, um, investing in businesses. I think 08, 
I'm not dodging the question, but I think 08 was a, a real estate crisis, which gave us a lot of upward opportunity in real estate. Yep. And I'm not saying it still doesn't exist, but I don't think that what the opportunity that we've had over the last 12, 13 years, I don't think it's going to be as great in the next 12 or 13 years, but I do think what a great opportunity in the happy hustle podcast, maybe this is some of that. Um, the largest generation of baby boomers ever, or people ever is retiring the baby boomer generation, 19 to 22% of all businesses are owned by them. COVID was, um, it was a small business crisis. It was not a real estate crisis. So I actually think that the opportunity lies in buying and investing in small business. Yeah. Not that there is an opportunity in real estate, but if you, I'm kind of shifting to, to investing in businesses. Yeah, no, I love that response. And I think you're 100% correct in the opportunity right now is investing in businesses and is investing in, you know, small to medium size service based businesses personally, like, you know, that's what seems to be hit the hardest. That's what's taken a huge uh, depreciation in terms of asset value. I think, Right now, at least in my very limited, you know, opinion, which is just from who I listen to and follow, like, which are people way smarter than me, like yourself. Um, you know, I, I look to people like you to get answers. But when I draw from my own intuition, I see the real estate market is it is so inflated right now that it doesn't feel like the right time to invest in in real estate you know like it feels like you're like you're saying there's other opportunities that are better yeah. suited for ROI that's you know not saying it's not a bad um investment to put your money in real estate but it just seems like if you're getting 2 to 3% on real estate you could easily get 12 to 13 in a business that has positive cash flow that just is being hit hard, you know? You know, and a couple of mistakes that I think have kind of created a lot of this, I mean, business owners. So here's, here's what I often say. I believe that businesses create liquidity. Then you take that liquidity and you put it into cash flowing assets, whether it's real estate or more businesses or whatever that is, then those assets create wealth. And I think a lot of times we get this messed up because so many investors rushed out of their W-2 job. They left their businesses and they became real estate investors over the last you know, five, seven years. And now more than ever, I was at a mastermind. I won't mention who it was, but I was at a mastermind pitch for real estate like a month and a half ago. And there's just people lined up paying the gurus like 50. And by the way, again, I love real estate. So I'm not yeah. back on real estate. I think real estate is a great investment. I've done very well in real estate, but it's because of business that I've done well in real estate. So I took what I made in business, I poured it into real estate and I literally own businesses that operate real estate. And so I think what has happened, Carrie, is a lot of people have been told or they found that investing in real estate is easy. And it is, and it was, but most people don't think of real estate investing as a business and it's purely just a business. If you're going to do well in investing in real estate, you've got to turn it into a business just like anything else. And so back to the mastermind, I mean, they're doing this pitch for this, you know, real estate mastermind. They're telling people how easy it is to buy real estate and stuff right now. And I would say to anybody, there is still good deals out there. And mm -hmm. if you put your nose down and you get really clear on what kind of real estate you're going to buy 
and you just keep having that same conversation. I'm looking for a duplex. I'm looking for a duplex. I'm looking for a duplex. <laughs> Eventually you're going to find a duplex. Yeah. But one of my early mentors said, um, you got to fall in love with the deal, not the property. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you got to get clear on, you know, what is it you're looking for? It's a duplex. What are the deal parameters that I'm looking for? I want this return. If it's not 11% cash on cash, I'm not buying it. And keep looking. You know, what might have taken us four months to find six, seven years ago might take you three and a half years to find now. And so just get the fundamentals. If you're, if you're dead set on investing in real estate, identify your criteria and keep looking for it until you hit that criteria. Don't settle. You know, don't, don't change your parameters just because you can't find deals. But what I am saying is that, you know, like there's a guru saying, oh, it's so easy in real estate. No, the people that are going to win in real estate, and I still have a big real estate portfolio, are the ones that have a business built out. They have a team already built and they have a lead generation machine. Mm-hmm. You can still buy good real estate, but it's going to be harder than ever. So just be prepared. If you decide you're going to jump into real estate, be prepared to work, work, work until you find it. Yeah. No, great, great advice there, man. And you know, it's just like anything we're doing. Like it takes time. It takes effort. You know, you, you're there's, unless you know differently, I don't know any real overnight successes, you know, it like in any industry, um, it, unless you're a trust fund baby, but most of the happy hustlers that I know aren't, <laughs> um, but it's just one of those things. It takes time. So if you're going to commit to it, commit, you know, go all in, practice the craft. One, one thing that really changed my financial future was, was strictly financial literacy, like educating myself, reading books on money, you know, watching videos on money, you know, buying courses, paying mentors, like that changed my financial future, getting out of debt and student loans and and credit card to then like it was a 12 month gap in my life when in my mid 20s that I was like 16k in credit card debt and you know student loans to then 20 G's positive in the bank in 12 months mm-hmm. all because of financial literacy like I took it serious and I think that same thing goes with real estate same thing goes with business you know you have to become a student of the game and then you know success leaves clues like right like yeah. it does so yeah. Yeah. Great points all across, man. And, you know, I really want to take the conversation towards your relationship with your wife, because I know a lot of the happy hustlers out there, myself included, um, look to someone like you who's been married, what, 21 years now, 22 years. Yeah. Like that's, that's amazing, man. First of all, kudos to you, especially with the divorce rate of what, 51% or something crazy. Talk to us about, you know, some of the pillars of a successful relationship and how to overcome adversity or how you and your wife have overcome adversity. Yeah. Well, you know, that it's funny because you were talking about, um, I think it was Thomas Jefferson said that the greatest investment you could ever make is in your own knowledge and experience or something like that. And so I resonate a hundred percent with what you're saying. I mean, I'm a student. If I want to get better at something, I'm going to hire the best coach. I'm going to, you know, find the best mastermind. By the way, I wasn't knocking on real estate masterminds. I'm just saying like, it, it, you're going to have to put in the work. Yeah. Um, so on that theme, it's the same thing with a good marriage. You're going to yeah. have to put in the work and my wife and I, so a couple things, I think it's interesting how many of us, not just men, but women also, um, will, will spend so much money on masterminds, coaches, 
um, in reading books on leadership, you know, making ourselves better when it comes to our career. Mm. Um, and yet we don't have time to invest in our relationships. It goes back to the same thing I said about date night in our couples mastermind. I'm constantly harping on the guys. And by the way, our couples mastermind isn't a, a low entry point. So these are high performing couple. This is what we say all the time. They're high performing couples that are already at a seven and they want to take their marriage and relationship to a seven, eight, nine. And for the amount of money, and this isn't a pitch for the mastermind, the amount of money that these people pay to be in it, they're already successful. So what we really focus on is making sure that we're, we're growing that relationship together. And mm. I think that's one of the, so the principles that I, you know, my wife and I really come back to all the time, I think we have to put as much energy into becoming a better husband as we do, or wife, as we do becoming a better leader, becoming a better real estate investor, becoming a better podcaster. We spend so much time becoming a better version of ourselves in those other areas and not in our relationships. And so again, you know, I have conversations all the time. I'm like, how was date night? We don't do date night. How many date nights do you get? Well, we're lucky if we get one a month. Well, how many times a week do you meet with your CEO or your operations person or your shipping and receiving lead or your accountant three, four, 10 times? Yeah. Um, so I would say, you know, principle number one, put as much time and energy and effort into the most important role in your life as you do everything else, because it's easy to neglect. This is probably where the rubber really meets the road. It's easy to neglect those that we know love us, that we know are going to forgive us, and that we know are going to be waiting for us when we get home late at night. Um, those are the yep. easiest person people to uh, neglect. And we make up all these excuses. Well, I have to keep the busy. I'll tell you a quick story. If, if we, yeah, go ahead. Um, we had a, there was two times after I started my business where I let the business get me out of balance mm -hmm. uh, big time. One was my, my wife's grandparents, uh, 50th wedding anniversary. They lived in a town 12, 12 hours away. We had a whole bunch of jobs going. I told my partner I'm leaving. It's their 50th wedding anniversary. You can't, we're overloaded. We're up against deadlines, literal deadlines where if we weren't completed, it was like, you know, $10,000 a day on a mm. home depot and a bank that every day that we're late, we, we're getting fines. I said, Nope, I'm leaving. I left, went to the, uh, anniversary. My phone's blowing up the whole time. Email's blowing up. So I told my wife, I said, Hey, Saturday morning after the anniversary party, I'm going to get a plane back. You're going to take me to rapid city. I'm going to fly home. I did that. Got a plane ticket. When my family was coming home four days later, when I was supposed to be, you know, with them driving, um, they wrecked, uh, they rolled the vehicle, uh, going 85 oh. miles an hour, rolled three times. You know, would that have happened if I was there or not? I don't know the answer to any of that, but uh, my sister-in-law was driving and, and she wrecked the vehicle and it, it really brought me back carry to like keeping, you know, the yeah. one thing, the one thing, the priority. And mm -hmm. then the second time, and this is what really got me thinking about this. Um, you know, I said, I was never going to let work get in the way. And I think I've done a pretty good job of it since then, even though we run a lot of businesses and have been pretty successful. Um, the second thing that happened in 2007, I had a gold mine that we were doing a lot of work go bankrupt and um, a literal gold mine or a literal gold mine. Yeah. Oh, so, really? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, is yeah. that an analogy or <laughs> no, 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 we, we did a lot of work in my first business at, at gold mines. Wow. Um, in Northeastern Nevada, some of the big companies, you know, Barrick Newmont, this one was mm. called queen stake. They were a Canadian company. They went bankrupt. My guys showed up. There was literally chains on the, the, the front gate. 
And these guys owed us about $400,000. Um, oh man. And what was crazy is we were doing a lot of work for them over time. The EPA had them shut down. And so we were doing a lot of welding work, pipeline work. And I mean, that was, we were, we were billing a lot, but they owed us 400 grand. And that was a big hit for my company. So that sent us into like a bunch of turmoil. I had to figure out how to, you know, renegotiate debt and deal with creditors. Cause I didn't have the money that I needed. And, um, went, it was a pretty rough time and not to mention this was late in 2007. So we were heading into 2008 banks weren't lending. It was the perfect storm. I was stressed out. Mm. I was, you know, out of balance. Um, and again, I think there's periods of time where we, I had to, I had to, you know, I laid off 30 people mm. in a, like a four week period right before Christmas. Um, there's times we're going to get out of balance. We have to do what we have to do, but that doesn't mean that we can neglect our relationships. And that doesn't mean that we, um, you know, we got to, we got to take care of ourselves. And here's when we're talking about principles in relationship, I was stressed out. I came home, I'm, you know, taking it out on the wife and kids. And my, my wife can, you know, if I have to go grind for, you know, 10 hours a day for a couple of weeks, like that's fine. Um, but I was not myself. And this went on for a while. And she looked at me one day and she said, you're not yourself. Like, we got to do something about this. And I'm like, what do you want me to do? Like, I'm about to lose everything. Mm. Like I could potentially lose everything. And she looked at me, I'm like, this house, like our business. And she looked at me, Carrie, and she said, what are they going to do? Take our kids? Remember what matters? And I was mm. like, boom, right, be right between the forehead, right? Mic drop. So, yeah. And I, I, I tell that to say, cause you were talking about a couple principles and I'll make this short. Yeah. Um, just keep, the priorities, the priorities, right? Yeah. And so back to the marriage or relationships. If you're just dating, whatever date nights, put as much, it, they don't, it doesn't even need as much time. We spend 40 hours a week at work in general. It doesn't mean that you got to spend 40 hours with your wife or your children. Just make sure that you're present. When you talked about unplugged, unplug, be there, be the best version that you can be in the 15 minutes you have, or an hour you have, or whatever, you know, a couple other things that, um, and this will sound obvious, but my relationship with my wife is first. My relationship with my children is second. And then everything else falls after that. I can mm. prioritize everything else however I want, but I just try to keep that in that order. Um, my wife and I, um, you know, we've, uh, just keeping the children in, 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 in that place. I think a lot of times when we start having kids and even a kid business, like the priorities change. Right. And so yep. I think just keeping your relationship with that significant other. So important. Yeah, no, I, I love it, man. I mean, I can personally point to different parts of my journey. You know, I'm engaged to my, my fiance, Steph, five and a half years we've been together, you know, and it's, it's had plenty of ups, downs. We're definitely not, you know, claim to be perfect in any regard, far from it. But I can definitely point to the times where I was way out of balance, focusing on my business, focusing on profit or success, not really recognizing what's important. And then you mentioned it, but complacency, I think, kills relationships more than <laughs> almost anything. You know, getting complacent, taking each other for granted, you know, not doing the little things, not doing the things that you know you did early on that actually, you know, made your partner attracted to you and vice versa. When we get complacent in our relationships and, and we just take them for granted, Adversity arises, resentment yeah. builds. Yeah. 
drama ensues, <laughs> right? Intimacy lacks, you know, and it's like, then you just become roommates and then you're like, this is awkward. Something needs to change, right? One of the things, and I have to give credit to my wife on this, but one of the things that she says all the time, and this is, we, we actually have some written down principles. I won't go into all of them, but one of the things that she says all the time is as long as one of us is always on, we'll get through it. And, you know, when you're talking about complacency and harmony and balance and all of that, like as long as one of us is on and we're anchored, we can get through anything. But I think what that really says is, you know, the complacency and the commit when, if she's on and I'm off, like that period of time when I was struggling in the business, she was on, I was off and having that mutual respect to where, and this is such a fine line, right? But when she came to me, not at me, when she came to me, um, she was open enough and patient enough with me to try to bring me back to on. And so mm -hmm. as long as both of us don't lose interest and lose sight of the big picture and continues to dream for the other one, we can get through anything. Yeah. Amen to that, brother. That's great. And I always so, you know, say this, my, a mentor told me early on, but if you want a 10, be a 10, you know, mm -hmm. if, you, if you want a 10 in your relationship, we'll show up, be a 10 then, you know, cause oftentimes we are mirrors for one another. Um, you know, I, I have a question that I'm just curious, just in regards to investing for freedom, what could you now looking back, it's always easier to connect the dots, right? But what single investment can you trace back as the best investment that resulted in freedom for yourself? My first mobile home park, um, hmm. because it's actually challenging uh, <laughs> now that, now that we're taught now, the business itself was probably the best one. My first business, because it taught me, um, and I kind of alluded to this before too, but I think a lot of times people think that real estate is their key to freedom. And that could be true over time, but I've talked to so many people that are like, you know, I want to, I'm, I'm going to invest in real estate and that's going to get me my freedom. And I'm like, okay, well, what's your monthly You were alluding to this earlier. Um, what's that number? And they're like, well, I need to replace 4,000 or 5,000 or 7,000 a month. And I'm like, okay, great. You're going to do it in real estate. And they're like, yeah. I'm like, okay, well at a hundred to $200 a house and you need $5,000, like that's a lot of homes. Yeah. <laughs> um, you got to buy a lot of homes in order to get your freedom. And if you're thinking about that over a 30, 40 year period, that's fine. Um, but again, if you want true freedom purely from real estate, I think you got to build a real estate business. You got to go in, you got to figure out how to turn it into a business. So initially I was going to say my mobile home park. And there's a reason why I was going to say that because it really shaped my idea around real estate investing. But I think I have to retract and say, literally it was the business because again, businesses create liquidity very few people understand this, but if you go invest in a business or you buy a business or you start a business, if you do it right, that business should cut you a check every month, right? As you're working that business, you're getting paid as an employee. Yeah. That's not the case in real estate. Yeah. And people miss that. Um, so again, I wanted to say mobile home park, my first mobile home park, because it really shifted the way I thought about, you know, investing. Cause like I said earlier, our goal was 20, houses, I bought two and then I bought my first 72 unit mobile home park after two. And so in year two of my 10 year process, I literally had like basically 74 tenants. And so going from single family mindset to multi 
family or a mobile home park change the way I think. But again, I think I have to come back to the business aspect because real estate's a long game. Starting a business, investing in a business, um, or going all in on yourself in a business can actually start providing immediate value to you. Oh yeah, man. Amen to that. I even want to answer that for myself, you know, like the single greatest investment that I've made for my freedom is just what you said, you know, investing in myself, but to take it a step further, investing in sharpening my sales sword, my sales sword. I got my katana back there, but my actual sales sword, my skill set around sales and the psychology behind what makes people buy Mm -hmm. that single-handedly has been such a catalyst in my journey as an entrepreneur and just as a happy hustler, because sales are the lifeblood of every single business, you know? And, and it's, it's one of those things that once you learn it, like once you learn the psychology behind what makes people take action, you know, people buy with emotion, but they justify with logic. So you have to do the math. That one principle alone can just increase your conversion percentage, you know? And for me, man, like, you know, I don't have a ton of employees, you know, I don't have millions of dollars in debt tied up in real estate or, or assets or any of it. Like I'm debt free. I got positive cash flow, and, you know, with my sales skills, I've been able to generate like, and this isn't like to brag, obviously you, you know, you understand it's, it's over a million dollars just in, in literally the past 12 months over zoom discovery calls, like zoom, you know, and it's like, and I, and I don't always sell my own shit. I sell affiliate shit all the time. That is alone such a great tool for investing in freedom. You know, like I get fired up about this, A, because I just got a 10G check today nice. from an affiliate, you know, yeah. that I don't have to deliver anything. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like those checks are so sweet. You know, yeah. it's like I got multiple awesome affiliate partnerships that come in every single month. You know, I don't have to do anything like on the delivery portion, I put my name near it, you know, recommend why it like, and obviously integrity is huge with sales, sure. you know, yeah. but what's your take on just, you know, sales psychology and, and maybe a, a tip tool or tactic in regards to, you know, increasing your conversions. You know, you, you got me out of my wheelhouse, um, with that question. Um, and even back to the bit. So I'll tell you what I'm really good at. I'm a visionary and I'm really good at assembling teams. Um, I leverage, I leverage people every, every single day. That's probably my, like my superpower. And even when it comes back to the best investment I ever made, the reason why I say the business is because it taught me how to operate businesses. I'm really good at building leadership teams. Um, I have, you know, I probably have nine different businesses right now, um, different verticals that were. So your question was, you know, sales psychology and all of that. And even when I used to go out and sell, cause we're all selling, right? Yeah. Um, to me, it's, I don't have a lot of sales training even. Um, I'm a relationship based guy when it comes to, um, you know, the businesses that I run, I hire really good salespeople. You and I had this conversation before, like when we start talking about even the podcast, like I have, I have no, I have affiliates and all that kind of stuff too, but like, I don't even try to monetize my podcast. Like for me, it's ultimately about, um, you know, so my avatar is an accredited investor because we have a lot of investment opportunities, but even when 
an accredited investor hits our list, my business partner handles all the investor relations, um, the relationships with the investors, which is, would be our sales funnel, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know, for me, sales is all about relationship. And I started yeah. to see this, but even when I had my plumbing and HVAC business and I'd have periods of time where I had to go out and sell units, um, I was a horrible sales guy. <laughs> um, because, but it actually worked out well because I think I, um, I think people trust me. Yeah, but yeah. it wasn't even a tactic. I would just be like, "Hey, look, here's what I would put in this. If it, this was my house, this is the system that I would do. I designed the best system for you. And honestly, if you can't afford it right now, I would wait a couple months and I would buy this better system because that's the honest truth. Like, I didn't care if they bought today. It was all in the best interests of of what I thought was best for them, and then let them decide. And so, I don't really have a lot of opinion on sales psychology and process and all that other than just like, I'm looking for the best fit for you. I love what you said about the integrity around the sales cycle. Oh yeah. I don't know. I think that's probably the most important thing is what do I think is the best option for you this, but here's a couple other options. So I'm not a, I'm not really great at sales funnels and, and well, but you nailed it though. Still, man, you like, you talked about the value of a relationship and, and, and having like legit your prospects, best interest in mind. And, you know, not to go too deep down this rabbit hole, but my good buddy, Rory Vaden, he talks about pressure-free persuasion and, and using selling as a service where you really are focused on what is your prospects best interest. I can, can honestly say hand to God, like I will tell people straight up if it's a good fit or not, you know, whether to come to my mastermind or whether to work with an affiliate or whether to do a coaching program back when I was doing that, you know, like I just tell them this is probably not a good fit for you, you know, or it is a good fit. And I think again, trust, it comes down to, to trust and, and having that integrity around it. I don't put my name near stuff that I don't believe in. People know when I do put my name on it, it's because I use it myself or I believe in it or I have used it, you know? And so I just think it, it, it's really important when you're, when you are selling, having that trust, that integrity, and then building those relationships. So great points there. Mike, where, where can people go if they are accredited investors and they're hearing you're like, damn, I'd love to work with Mike. Like, where's the best place for people to go and learn more about you? Yeah, probably just my website, www.michaelayala.com. You can find the Investing for Freedom podcast there. Um, You can find the form. You can access our our deals and stuff there. Or Instagram, at the Mike Ayala. Yep. And that's A-Y-A-L-A, Ayala. Yeah. Now, Mike, I do like to ask my guests a couple different questions in a couple different disciplines. First being health, because I really think it, you know, health is as wealth. If you don't, if you're not healthy, you're not going to be able to happy hustle, you know, or invest in yourself or freedom. So what is a happy hustle hack? And I like to call it a happy hustle hack, meaning something that you do a tip, you know, a tool or a tactic or, or something that you do in regards to health that you think, you know, sharing with the happy hustlers could benefit. Well, let me tell you, um, this is my weakest area. Um, the, the, you know, I, I, I led with being vulnerable. I'll end with being vulnerable. <laughs> yep. uh, you know, I, I'm in a group called Go Abundance, and it's really about being a whole life millionaire, if you will. Because a lot of times, I think as successful people, you know, we grind and grind and grind. And then all of a sudden, when we wake up one day and we realize we've neglected our health. And so I'm in a period of time where I'm, I'm really trying to like hone that health journey for myself. I don't think I'm an unhealthy person per se, but 
I have a really hard time prioritizing, um, you know, that first on it. It's really easy for me to get up and just start going and getting excited about work. And so I'm working through that journey right now. I'll tell you, here's, here's the hack for me. Um, and some people would say, well, why don't you just work out? But I have a really, really good doctor that does a lot of blood panel work with me. And, you know, um, I have a little bit high blood pressure and to me having the scorecard or the metric, um, is super important. And, uh, again, people would say, well, why don't you just go work out? And, but I, I need to measure results and health is such a long game. I think that's my biggest weakest weakness is, is, uh, not being able to quantify the value of that, that health. So, um, mm. appreciate you bringing it up. And I think the biggest thing for me that I'm trying to work on is the metrics that I need to move. Cause I need to see, I mean, yep. I could just look in the mirror, I guess, but I, <laughs> I need to see that progression. And so for me, that that's valuable. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, you know, I ran a high end biohacking company for like three years. My business partner and I were working with high performers, Fortune 500 CEOs, pro athletes, Olympians, just studs, top 1% in their fields. And one of the things we always went back to was test, don't guess. Meaning get your blood work done, get your labs done. Every supplement that you see a, a marketing campaign for isn't right for you. <laughs> don't buy into the hoopla, you know? It's like, so testing is, is a really great hack there. So I love that you shared that. Let's talk about spirituality, man. I like to ask, you know, do you have a happy hustle hack for spirituality? I mean, something that you do, maybe meditation or gratitude or prayer or, or something around that topic? Yeah. So I've kind of gone through the gamut. Um, I, my wife and I were actually youth pastors at one point in time, which oh, wow. I don't necessarily spirituality, but, uh, <laughs> you know, meditation has been helpful for me, but what's been even more helpful um, is allowing... I work with a coach on a pretty deep level around this, but, um, you know, when I first started meditating, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet, like going through that whole process that I think yeah. you have to learn. But what was interesting for me, Carrie, is my, I think my higher self, like my subconscious, I'd be in meditation and I'd start like getting these ideas and solutions for problems. And I'd no, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. And the hack that I think has probably helped me most is when, when I start getting into that zone of like problem solving and deep, deep work ideas, um, I let myself come out of it and go into thinking time. Um, some of my best ideas have come through meditation, but coming out of that and, and getting into the meat of it, some of my best ideas, some of my best partnerships. And if I had to take it a step further, I love the float tank because I'm oh, kind cool. of trapped um, so like the waterproof slate from scuba diving, I take that with me. Ah, nice. In terms of, um, the float tank, you know, I, I had a couple experiences, one in which <laughs> that I just feel like I have to share because you talked about it. For those of you who don't know what a float tank is, do you want to explain it basically? Sure. Yeah. It's like a, a weight deprivation tank. So you're, it's dark, you're, you're floating in salt water, you feel weightless. It's dark. You just feel like you're in space. It's like this weightless place. Yeah. It, they're very interesting there. You can go super deep and that's what happened to me. <clears throat> we were hosting a, a biohacking retreat in Chicago and we partnered with this float tank company. And, you know, I was like one of the last ones to go. Cause it, you know, I was running the event. I was trying to just let all the guys go first. And, and, uh, I, I struggled to 
get into state, you know, into flow. But I went so deep after I actually did get into it. I don't know where the heck I went, but I wasn't on this earth anymore. And um, I basically, you know, they sound an alarm. Like once, it, once your time's up, the jets stop, you know, you're just floating naked in this little capsule. And, and uh, you know, the alarm went off you know, five minutes go by, 10 minutes go by. Well, my door was locked. They, the, the owner of the facility came busting in, you know, cause my fiance was there. Where, where's Carrie, you know, is he drowning? Okay. You know, I'm like, like 20 minutes past the time of I'm supposed to be out. 15 guys all come in the room. I'm butt naked floating yeah. there. Still, they can't wake me up. <laughs> I'm still floating there. Yeah. My fiance is shaking my leg. He's shaking my leg. And I'm just out so deep. And I and I finally pop up, you know, dong out, butt naked to 15 dudes looking at me. And my first thing I say is, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't even know what I didn't like, but it was such a crazy experience. My fiance was crying, you know, she was like, he's dead, he's dead. Anyway, that's uh, I've never I've never heard that. That's crazy. I, yeah, I don't think uh anyone heard, like other guys or any of the the owners never heard that too, but anyway, that was that. So, let's talk about money. I know we talked about it earlier, but you know, what's a happy hustle hack that you use in regards to money? Something, you know, to save, spend or invest wisely. You know, this is kind of like the sales question to be honest because I've done I've done well um, and I don't even know if this is a hack, um, but it's, it's interesting before I started doing bigger loans and, and again, I've alluded to this a couple of times, but I'm in a group called GoBundance where we have to do a one sheet. They call it a one sheet. And it basically, um, the, the thing that's so powerful about this group is it creates vulnerability. So we know, we know where we're at net worth, financially expenses. We share all that on a one sheet as well as our goals in these eight areas of life. And so before that, before joining GoBundance, I honestly never even paid attention to how much money I made or what I was worth. I would literally go to a bank on a new property and I'd be filling out an application or even a car loan or whatever. And I'd be like, Kara, how much money do I make? Like I had no idea. Right. <laughs> and so I think, uh, I think that's just a example of keeping money where it belongs. It's never, ever, ever about the money. So that would be hack number one, keep money where it belongs. But more than that, in some form, and if anybody wants an example of this, just shoot me an email at mike at michaelayella.com and I'll send them the spreadsheet. Um, but having some document that keeps track of where you're at at all points in time, I don't mean like your bank account balance. I mean, what's my income? What's my expenses? What's my giving? What's my current net worth? Mm. Where am I at? Having some kind of scorecard for yourself financially and looking at that regularly, um, it'll, it'll open up you for a lot of gains. Yeah. I love that, man. And, and super generous to you to share that guys. Um, Mike at Mike com. You guys get the spreadsheet. Maybe we can even put it in the show notes, you know, and, and I'll just link to it. Cause I think that's super beneficial. I know I use like mint um, to get just an overall snapshot of my net worth and like expenses and budgeting, but you know, having something else in regards to my giving and my, my goals, I think that's super beneficial. Um, Mike, I like to ask, you know, all of my guests, a bunch of random questions questions and what I like to call the rapid fire round. This is basically just where you answer honestly, first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready? Yep. All right. And then we're going to wrap this bad boy up. So first question, what's your favorite food? Go. Pizza. <laughs> favorite movie? Top Gun. Nice. <laughs> favorite book? Uh, 
Richest man in Babylon. Best business advice. Uh, find the find the right partner. Mm. What's your spirit animal? Ooh, a bear? I don't know. <laughs> oh, I can see that. I can see that. Um, three things you're most grateful for right now in this moment. My wife, your energy. And, <laughs> Thanks, dude. Yeah. Um, you know, just where my kids are all headed. They're all young adults, and I'm excited about it. Yeah, that's awesome. If you could have a superpower, what would it be? Mm, make complex things simple. Mm, that's awesome. And one billboard for the world to see with your last piece of content, what would that read? <laughs> What would that read? Um, remember the reason. Ah, man, crush that rapid fire round, Mike. Just give us one more time some some links, the best place for people to, you know, uh, check you out. I know we got MikeIola.com and Instagram. Any other, you know, final words before we I ask you the last question? Yeah, so it's Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L, Mike, okay. A-Y-A-L-A.com. Um, yeah, and I, you know, the only other thing is uh, my podcast, I alluded to it, but it's called investing for freedom with Mike Ayala. And that's really where, I mean, I'm, I just give it away there. So, um, yeah, that's probably the, another great place. It's a great podcast guys. I know the happy authors would dig it. I was, I was jamming it today, uh, as well. And, you know, Mike just drops hot fire on the mic on the regular. So, um, check that out, Mike. I just want to take a moment to acknowledge you, man. I appreciate you sharing your love, your light, your wisdom with the Happy Hustlers. This has been an amazing interview. So I just I honor and respect you and appreciate you, you know, hopping on. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to do it. Final question, brother. What does happy hustling mean to you? Happy hustling means doing whatever I need to do in order to maintain the freedom that I've built. Mm. Mic drop. Mike Ayala, everyone. Thanks for watching and listening. We out. Peace and love. One more thing, guys. If you want to do more than just listen to the Happy Hustle podcast, but actually implement all the amazing tips, tools, and tactics you're learning here, then I highly recommend you register now for the upcoming Soul Mapping Masterclass at thehappyhustle.com backslash soul mapping. That's S-O-U-L-M-A-P-P-I-N. I am pulling back the curtain of my secret soul mapping system. This is how the top 1% of successful entrepreneurs are avoiding burnout, creating healthy work-life balance, and crushing their business goals. And I'm basically going to give it all to you for free. All you got to do is register now and show up. If you're hearing this, that means there's one coming up very soon and that you can be on it. You can meet me live and we can actually break down this soul mapping system and you can implement it in your life so you can increase that income and you can increase that impact and skyrocket your happiness in the process. I really hope I see you on this live masterclass. It's coming up very soon and you better register right now at thehappyhustle.com backslash soul mapping if you want to get a spot. All right, y'all. Thanks again for listening. Peace and love. I'm out. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Happy Hustle Podcast. I truly am so grateful that you took the time out of your busy day to spend time with me. Now, if you got any value from this episode or any episodes in the past, it would mean the world to me if you could please leave a five-star review and share this episode with your friends so we can continue to spread this message. Guys, as always, it's been a blast. Now go out there and happy hustle for your dream reality. 
Peace.